and welcome to episode number 143 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson and Brad Allen. We run down all of the games in the NFL for that week. Guys, this is a very interesting week. There are eight different games in which the spread is a touchdown or more. So we will have some interesting decisions to make. Will those large numbers get covered? Is how open is the back door for these? Or is the number just too big? And we believe that the dog is the right side to take, no matter the back door or whatever it might be. Um, let's kick things off with an interesting uh, week that happened this past week. And let's just go ahead. I mean, it was only two days ago. We're talking about the Wednesday game because it does, in fact, you know, kind of shape how things are going to be going here. Brett, a 3.30 Eastern, 12.30 Pacific kickoff on Wednesday because of a Christmas tree lighting. We got bumped for a Christmas tree, which is great. Um, and uh, we end up seeing the Steelers not cover the reposted number, which came out 10, 10 and a half, depending on when you got it. And um, they end up not covering. There was a late 70-yard uh, touchdown pass that got the cover for the Ravens. I mean, I guess the question here is, is we have an 11 and 0 team and it's very hard to nitpick a team that's just gone out and all they've done is win every single one of their games. But if we want to, if we want to try and nitpick a little bit, are we, are we at least looking at this and saying, man, this Steelers offense, they're winning a bunch of one score games. The defense continues to be amazing, but they continue to win these one score games. And if the offense isn't, if the offense has one bad day, if the offense comes out there and sputters for one day, this team, this, this team could like, they can't afford very many mistakes on offense. Yeah. Well, first of all, I don't know what to make of that game on Wednesday. It was an afternoon game. How do these teams prepare? How did they get up for this afternoon game? I have no idea. So I'm kind of throwing that one away. But you look at the Steelers schedule. They have the second softest schedule in the NFL this year. So I think you have to take that into consideration when looking at this team as a whole. And yeah, offensively, they're just not very good. I think they're near the bottom of the league in yards per play. This is not a very consistent offense that can like get explosive splash plays on you consistently. So yeah, they're, they're the problem is they're, they're it's still such a soft schedule for them the rest of the way. So, I mean, there, there is a path for them to go 16 and 0 here, oh, but for yeah. co covering, I, I don't trust them to cover a lot of these big numbers and that, could start this week, which we'll get into. Brad, hard to pull anything away from the Ravens in that game, but what do you take from the Steelers in in that performance? Because again, it's like you go down and you take a look at the Steelers team, and it is basically one score game after one score game after one score game outside of you know the, the Bengals and the Jaguars, who are literally two of the three worst teams in the entire league. So, uh, what do you think, kind of the prospects with the Steelers team moving forward? Well, they, they can't run the ball. Um, you know, the Ravens were missing key tackles and they, they barely ran the ball at all with any success. They don't get any explosive passes. They don't throw deep over the middle. Like it's, it's all just, you know, four yard outs and then the occasional deep shot to the outside. Um, so it's just it's just hard to score a lot of points. I mean, we kind of saw the the... I guess the bad case scenario where, you know, they get to third and one and because they can't run the ball, they have to throw and, uh, you know, they, 
they end the drive and they punt. And uh, yeah, if you can if you can match up well on the outside, which someone like the Ravens does, maybe maybe even the Chiefs do, uh, then I think they're quite easy to stop. And then now on the on the defensive side, they're they're losing key pieces. Obviously, Bud Dupree out for the year with the ACL. They lost Devin Bush, the inside linebacker, earlier this year. So, and then they're not that good in the back end anyway. So if that pass rush starts to dissipate, then uh, I think you could see them get carved up as well. Yeah, in a very 2020 thing, this defense has given up more than 24 points in a game just one time this entire season to the Eagles. So, I mean, the, in the, the very the very 2020 thing for this uh, Steelers team, the only team to score more than 24 points on them, the Eagles. So, uh, we'll, <laughs> I know, just absolutely ridiculous when we take a look at this. Um, all right, guys, so let's kick things off here. Uh, first game on the board over here at DraftKings anyway is the Raiders and the Jets. The Raiders are an eight-and-a-half-point road favorite. 46-and-a-half is your total in that one. If we roll down to uh, FanDuel, we are seeing a nine at FanDuel. So, the Raiders have taken a ton of money in this one. This thing was at seven-and-a-half when it first opened. So uh, sitting at nine over on FanDuel with a total of 47. Brett, I'll start things off with you. This Raiders team is the most Jekyll and Hyde, most middle of the road mad team to me in the entire NFL. One week they come out and you think they compete with anyone. The next week they come out and they look like the worst team in the league. And then every other week outside of that, they're those they're the most middle of the road team you've ever seen. So very tough to, to try and uh, figure out who this team is week to week. That being said, this is about the best bounce back spot a team that just got blown out can possibly get in the New York Jets. Yeah, the Raiders coming off their worst performance of the year. The game was actually way closer than the final score showed. I mean, the Raiders and Falcons had the same yards per play last week, but Vegas lost four fumbles. They had five turnovers total. I'm I'm not throwing that game away, but I I, I don't think there's a whole lot you can take away from that one. That was just a they just played horribly last week offensively. They just made a lot of stupid mistakes. Uh, the, mu- the amusing thing about that is the market is also kind of throwing that game away. Like the look ahead on this game was eight. And even with that Raiders loss, it's now eight and a half, nine. So people are lining right back up to bet the Raiders. And I guess I just don't understand why. Maybe you guys can help me out here. I cap this at seven. Like the Jets are finally healthy. They've looked like a pro football team at times, especially defensively uh, over the past few weeks. And now you've got Vegas traveling across the country with some key injuries on offense, Aguilar, Josh Jacobs. Normally this is a spot where I'd be like, all right, you know, you can throw away that, that Vegas game last week. I'm, I'm going to you know, try to find some value on them this week, but that seems to be what everybody else is doing. And, and we're not getting any value on the Raiders. So I kind of like the Jets here as this number climbs and money is coming in and a lot of bets are coming in on the Raiders. Brad, you take a look at, at the Raiders and, you know, one of the things about this team is they're they're almost kind of Saints light a little bit. They dink and dunk down the field. There's no real kind of explosive plays. You look and their their top targeted receiver is Darren Waller by tw- by two to one margin over the wide receivers. So literally, he has been targeted twice as much as the next closest uh, receiver on that team. And so it's uh, the only problem is is they're just you know they're just not the Saints, and this is just not the offensive scheme that the Saints kind of have, and uh, certainly don't have the advantage of a Camaro coming out of the backfield and things like that as well. Um, this Jets team, as Brett mentioned, maybe for the first time we're seeing the, we're, well, we're definitely seeing the healthiest version 
of this uh, Jets team that we're going to see maybe all year long. Nine at some places, eight and a half at others. How do you see this one playing out? So I made I made the line eight and a half myself. So I, you know, mm-hmm. no, I don't really see much value either side there. But I think there might be a touch of a value in the over forty six and a half. Um, so I, I do see the Raiders more as the offense that we saw against Kansas City um, rather than mm-hmm. <laughs> rather than last week, where I think they lost thirty eight EPA, um, which is like oh, that's the worst number I've ever seen. I think I think it was the worst um, game that Football Outsiders has ever tracked. Um, but you know it it was largely random stuff so like you know they were in the red zone and they gave up a fumble six so instead of you know the average score for them would be you know an expectation of four points and they gave up six so that was a a minus 10 EPA right there and they did that three times so that's how you kind of get to that Hmm. terrible number but that's that's not really you know predictive going forward Um, and for the season this offense is 12th in past EVOA Um, and going up against the pro football focus's worst uh, defense in in the NFL and the Jets, uh, and then as you say, Matt, the Jets are kind of the healthiest they've been. Last week was the first time Donald was in there with Mims, Crowder, and Perryman, uh, and and his left tackle. Um, now they, they didn't really do much, but again, the Dolphins are the best pass defense in the NFL by some metrics, um, and that's not the Raiders. The, you know, the Raiders are twenty sixth in uh, in the NFL on defense by PFF. So I, I can see them having some success as well, um, and yeah. You know, again, the average average total in the NFL nowadays is is fifty odd. So, yeah, would have just said I would have made this one forty seven and a half rather than forty six and a half. So, uh, if you do bet this one, that's that's how I'd go. I didn't even notice, guys. There is a nine and a half out there at BetMGM. So BetMGM, this thing has moved all the way to nine and a half. So a ton of movement on this one as well. If I would have been able to catch that opener at seven and a half, you might've had some interest for me on the Raiders. I did not pull the trigger that early. And now that this thing has been on the run, it's uh, it's going to be tough for me. I think there is an option here for, um, for teaser players. If you do have an eight and a half still available at your book and you want to take this under a field goal to get the Raiders at two and a half, um, I think there's at least a, a, a leg of a teaser there. But uh, at the number that we're sitting right now, it's going to be real tough for me to play it. So I think it'll just be uh, a pass for me when it comes down to that. Uh, Cleveland Browns and the Tennessee Titans. Now this one... We've seen five and a half. We've seen six. We've seen five and a half come back up again. We are now sitting at five and a half pretty much across the board, except it looks like there might be a rogue six out there. There is a six and a half at Bet MGM, actually. MGM coming with the coming with the thunder. Like like everybody is sitting, everybody's sitting at five and a half. Bet MGM sitting at six and a half on this thing. Uh 53, 53 and a half your total right now, Brad. um, One of the things that we know about the Browns is they will get miles Garrett back this week. They will still probably likely be without Denzel Ward. So, but getting Garrett back in there, a guy that is up for defensive player of the year, he's been that good so far this year can only be very, very good for this, uh, this Browns squad. And on the Titans, we know they're coming off a complete drubbing. I mean, it just absolutely beat down, uh, last week or Derrick Henry runs absolutely wild, goes crazy. There are some people out there who are trying to narrative this as a letdown spot for the Titans because of their coming off this such a huge win. And uh, the Browns actually getting Garrett back makes them, you know, much more appealing in this thing. A lot of places sitting on that dead, dead number though of five and a half. What do you think about the Browns and Titans? 
Well, going better that six and a half at MGM because that's silly. Um, yeah, I, I think five <laughs> is the, five is the fair number here for me. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's 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 quite a lot going on. So when the Titans have the ball, um, I think they'll be able to move it through the air because, as you say, the the Browns have got those injuries in the secondary. Mm-hmm. Denzel Ward and and the safety Harrison both out. Um, so they sh- if they can get the ball in the hands of their receivers, then I think they're going to go very well um, you know the Browns have had one of the easier schedules they've fa- faced a lot of weather in their games all, all stuff that should pump up, pump up their defensive numbers and they're still terrible and this is a very efficient times offence now the concern is Miles Garrett as you say against against the right tackle against the left tackle whoever they send him up against so it's it's a question of can, can they get the ball out quick enough or can they scheme up enough play action and stuff to get just to keep Miles Garrett out the backfield. Um, and I'm, I'm probably of the inclination that he's going to get a sack or two, but generally they can, they will move the ball. Um, so, so I like the Titans to get their points. Um, and then conversely, so this Titans pass rush, they're 28th ranked pass rush on the season. Now they're out clowny and they're, they're out, uh, they've cut Vic Beasley because he was rubbish. So they're getting no pressure anyway. They're, they're down two of their pass rushes that were there at the start of the season and they're going up against an elite Brown's offensive line so they're not going to get any pressure either and we know that the Baker Mayfield playbook is if he's not under pressure he should be okay he should score his points so I can see both teams move up and down the field uh, quite easily and uh, even though they're quite run heavy I think there'll be enough splash plays off play action that we can we can get over this 53 and a half total yeah, Brett, we take a look at at the way that this Browns team functions, as Brad said. I mean, really and truly, if, if Baker Mayfield has time in the pocket to throw, look, he's a capable NFL quarterback. The problem comes when there's pressure on him and then everything goes to absolute garbage with the pass game for this team. Now, his stats don't really add up compared to a lot of these other quarterbacks because he's played in some weather games this year that affected not only him, but affected the other team as well. So when you look at these raw numbers, it's uh, it's a bit skewed if you kind of go and you look at, at what Baker's been able to do. There were a couple of different games where the winds were in the 30, 40 mile per hour range and nobody can pass in 30 and 40 mile per hour wins so I don't really hold that against him a ton here now of note and this is this has been a pattern over the past few weeks and we're doing this very early on Friday morning so we have not gotten practice reports for Friday yet AJ Brown did miss did 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 not practice on Thursday now he didn't practice on Thursday last week either and still played so I'm not really reading too much into it, but he is still listed with that hip injury on the injury report and did not practice on Thursday. So by the time you hear this, there should be stuff out. So be sure and pay attention to that because this Tennessee Titans team is completely different with and without AJ Brown out on the field. Yeah, I think that's a rest day. They've been doing mm-hmm. that with AJ Brown on Thursday. So yeah, I, I expect him to practice on Friday, but yeah, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. If he doesn't practice on Friday, uh, definitely uh, look at the Browns at six and a half. That's yeah. a lot of points. I wish I had access to that number. Um, honestly, I came into this week thinking this would be a great spot to fade Cleveland. They continue to win ugly against bad teams. And their metrics, their metrics don't really align with the record at eight and three, which is just blows my mind. This is a really bad defense. And offensively, they're not good in the one area you need to be good at in 2020 and that's throwing the football but here they are facing the Tennessee Titans for me the most confusing team to evaluate in the NFL because they're so good on early downs in neutral and positive script and so bad when they're behind you're left guessing like which Tennessee team are you going to get this week because they are so two-faced so some key things here one you mentioned Miles Garrett we've been saying for weeks there's no player on defense that has as much of an impact as Garrett so his return 
is huge against this Titans offensive line that is banged up without Taylor Lewan. You know, Garrett and Olivier Vernon should feast here on Tannehill dropbacks. So if if the Titans are playing from behind, I think that gives an advantage to Cleveland. And the other thing is, can can Tennessee stop Cleveland from running the football? And this plays mm-hmm. into the two faced thing from earlier. Like if the Browns have success on the ground at their pace, their twentieth in pace and neutral pace this year. Tennessee's third. You can get Tennessee out of where they are best. So I, I really like Cleveland here. I mean, especially at six and a half, six and a half. I like them at five too. I promise you next week, if, and if the Browns cover and maybe win this week, mm-hmm. I will be fading them next week. Cause I, I, <laughs> I really did want to fade them, but this is such a weird spot against Tennessee that I think is a little fraudulent in its own right. So I have next week's circled uh, Browns against the Ravens. I think that's probably a good spot to fade the Browns next week. So I guess my question to you guys is 53 and a half. Um, Although we do think these teams will move the ball, we are talking about two of the most run heavy teams in the NFL, the Browns, the most run heavy team in the NFL. And then the, the uh, Titans in the top four, as far as running the ball, we know, we know also as well, both of these teams, if they find success running the ball, they just keep doing it. It's not one of those things where they're like throwing in these pass plays just to keep the other teams guessing. We have looked up several times and seen box scores with Derrick Henry with 33 carries. It's just, if it's, it's working. They keep doing it over and over again. And we've seen Chubb between Chubb and Hunt. Those guys combine for 35 and 40 carries and stuff like that. And so does even if even with us expecting them to be able to score with the nature of how they go about scoring, Brad, is 53 and a half too many points? Um, the two things I would say there is is. It's basically going to, you know, we might lose a drive, as you say, because mm. because they are just bleeding a little bit more clock. But I would say one, because they run the ball so well, they're both very efficient in the red zone. Um, obviously, when the field gets compressed, you know, you've got less room to pass mm. and running becomes more important. So they're both top 10 there. And then the other thing, they, they do both get splash plays. Um, you know, if they if they keep running it for five yards a pop, the, the opposing defensive coordinator coordinated the opposing linebackers they they do react to that and you know then you get space in behind and the secondaries are both terrible you know both bottom eight units um so i i think we do get enough explosive plays and enough efficiency on even on long drives that you know because field goals are field goals are under or over killers when you've got a total this high but hopefully you know the, the stats suggest we shouldn't see too many of them So here's a game I don't have a ton about. So if you guys do, by all means, the Bengals and the Dolphins, the uh, Dolphins are 11 and a half point favorites in a game with a total of 42 and a half. That says a lot about the state of the Bengals in this thing, because um, we'll see how the practice reports come out on Friday. But Tua was able to put in two limited practices in a row on Wednesday and Thursday. One of the beat writers said that if he is able to go, he believes that they will fully go with Tua, that they are married to this thought that he is going to be out there no matter what, even if they do have a chance of making the playoffs this year and everything that is going to be to us. So Brett, I got to be honest with you. The reason I don't have much on this game is because I view this game two completely different ways, depending on who's starting at quarterback. If, if Tua is going to be under center, you might could convince me to take 11 and a half with, with the Bengals. But I mean, if it's going to be Fitzpatrick, it's probably a game I would just stay away from and choose to just not play as opposed to anything else. Uh, there is even a 12 out there at 
you could probably guess BetMGM. So they are the, they are the, they're wow. off market. They are off market on every number right now. So they're trying to get your business people. So uh, hopefully you're paying attention here because you're you're able to get different numbers out in the uh, market right now. But uh, eleven and a half is the is the predominant number right now, Brett. Yeah, and it sounds like we won't know until Sunday whether it's going to be Tua mm-hmm. or Ryan Fitzpatrick under center. And then I'm like, I'm with you. It actually does matter to me. I would feel mm-hmm. more comfortable laying a, a huge number with Ryan Fitzpatrick and that passing attack. I looked at this game for a while and I kept going back and forth. What the Bengals do offensively should play right into the hands of this aggressive Miami defense that has now blitzed at a higher rate than any other team in the NFL this season. And Miami's biggest weakness is stopping the run where the Bengals are the worst in the NFL or near the worst. They're 31st in adjusted line yards, 30th in rush offense grade, according to PFF. The thing is, though, Miami's not good enough offensively to lay these huge numbers against anyone, to me anyway. And if I'm laying double digits, I want an offense that can score quickly. And Miami's 29th in the NFL in explosive play rate. They're even worse with two under center. So if you're backing Miami in this big number, you're hoping for a bunch of forced turnovers, which lead to either scores or positive field position. And I I just can't trust that as a predictive thing in my capping. So not a strong play on Cincinnati here, but at 11 and a half, I I do lean that way because I just don't trust this Miami offense. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of with me. It's going to be a dog or pass, I believe, um, when it comes down to it. But uh, Brad, does does who is under center affect your view on this game as much as it does me and Brett? Yeah, it does. So just some numbers to that. I think with Fitzpatrick under center, the Dolphins would be 18th in EPA per play this year, and with Tua there, they'd be 31st. So you know, it's a pretty big drop off. Um, so yeah, probably worth holding off for now until we get some clarity on that. But if Fitz is in, I, I would bet the Dolphins because I think as, as Brett says, it's the, the matchup is just perfect. You know, the only way the mm-hmm. Bengals can move the ball is through the air. Um, you know, even with Allen in there, they, I think they passed 65% of the time last week. Um, and that's, that's just perfect for the Dolphins. They've got great corners. They'll blitz you. Um, and then Brandon Allen is terrible. You know, they, they covered that game <laughs> last week, but they, they got... A, they faced a backup quarterback averaging three yards a pass for, for a lot of the game. B, they got a pump return for a touchdown. Um, so, I mean, they had what he orchestrated one touchdown drive. He had a 30% success rate, 28% on pass plays. So, he, he was awful. And I think uh, Flores is going to eat his lunch. So, uh, I, I think the Dolphins couldn't cover this number, to be honest. Jags and the Vikings. This one is pretty interesting as well. We're seeing tens. We're seeing ten and a halfs as well uh, across the board here. I mean, this is depending. This is very much dependent on where you bet, guys. So if you uh, if you want to bet at DraftKings, if you want to bet the favorite, you're getting ten there. If you want to bet the dog and the Jags, you're getting ten and a half at FanDuel, William Hill, BetMGM, points bet. All of those have the ten and a half. So uh, be sure, and as we say always, have multiple accounts so that you can be sure and get the best number. Um, Brad, it is a Vikings. It is a Vikings team that is coming into a game against a team that. Listen, I'm not a narrative guy, but if there was a narrative for a team to not win any more games this year, the Jags have every incentive to lose for the rest of the season because they are. You know, listen, there is. It looks like the Jets are going to go without a win this year, but who knows? And so things can get kind of dicey with all the, they win another game or two. And then next thing you know, they're looking up and they don't have that number two pick anymore. And uh, things could be pretty bad for that organization. They, they certainly want to get that next franchise quarterback for them. So again, I'm not a narrative guy. However, 
when it's talking about changing the face of an entire franchise where you can actually get a franchise quarterback or not, um, the players are going to play hard. But the coaches in the front office and the different, you know, people can do certain things to maybe uh, not make them incredibly competitive. And the Vikings are still at least on the outside. They're on the outside looking in, but it's not out of the realm of possibility for them to make the playoffs to get one of those wild card spots. And if we have to go to that weird contingency plan where they add a a playoff spot, well, then they're definitely in the thick of things. So uh, 10 and a half, 10, 10 and a half is our number right now. Yeah, I, I, I didn't get too much into this one. So I agree with you that they're probably playing Glennon in the first place because he's worse than Minshew. So, you know, mm. although the players will never tank, you know, the, the front office and the owner can uh, can tank for them. And that, that's probably what they're doing. Um, the Jags, they're getting a little bit healthier. looks like they should have DJ Chark back, um, Chris Conley back at, at wide receiver as well. Uh, and then Sidney Crosby at, at corner. So, you know, they should be a little bit better than they were last week. Um, and they, they did move the ball, 48% success rate last week, positive EPA per play. Um, so you would think they should have some success against this Vikings defense, which is which is in the bottom half of efficiency. Um, and then the same goes vice versa. And the Vikings are, you know, they, they should move the ball <laughs> with ease. Get Thielen back here, you know, just all the metrics, Jags are bottom five. And, and the Vikings are, are top 10 there. I think they're sneaky efficient by a lot of these metrics as well. Um, so if I had to bet it, I would go over, but uh, I don't have to bet it and I haven't. Yeah. And that is, uh, we talk about this all the time. Like we're not going to sit here and try and force a play down your throat. If it's something that we're not interested in doing, Brett, uh, I don't have a ton of interest in this one sitting at the 10, 10 and a half uh, right now, especially, like I said, I just, there are ways the Jags can can lose, and I think that there are ways that they might have already kind of gone about deciding, as Brad mentioned, about the quarterback decision that they're making, the certain things like that to uh, to try and ensure a loss. Now, will it be a loss by more than ten points? I can't really say, but there's a uh, there, there's just a lot in play in this one. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a lot of points to cover. Looking at this matchup between the Vikes offense and the Jags defense, I do understand why people are eager to support Minnesota here. But I do think the Jags can produce offense here as well, much like they did last week against a defense that doesn't generate pressure, has a poor secondary, and has trouble stopping the run. That's That's Minnesota. And we've said for weeks, the one thing that the Jags actually do well consistently is run the football. James Robinson just mm-hmm. continues to rip off these monster numbers. He, he has this done that. Line. Yes. He has done uh, that. And, you know, he should have a similar workload here against the Vikes, who rank near the bottom of the league in run defense metrics. Uh, yeah, the Jags are bottom two in the NFL in defense, but they have shown the ability to look like an NFL offense and compete against pro teams uh, while being spotted these huge numbers. And, and they have covered it in several of these spots. I think this is a pretty good one, but I don't have a strong lean on it. Yeah. And if you're doing that, it would, for me, it would be, uh, I don't know if it'll end up in my account, probably won't maybe a contest play or something like that, but uh, I would take the 10 and a hook. If you were getting the hook on the, on the 10 for the Jags, I think it would at least, at least be a look for me, but uh, you know, full transparency, not in my account as we sit right now, saints on the road at the Falcons. Now this is an interesting game depending on where you where, where and when you got the line and where it is available still currently. So it is sitting three at most books right now. There is a two and a half at FanDuel still. If you are looking to play the saints, um, if you're looking for the Falcons, there's threes pretty much universally across the board 
outside of that. Now, we've seen this kind of toggle back and forth between three and two and a half a lot of places. So you're going to be able to get a two and a half again before this thing before this thing kicks off if you're looking to play the Saints. And if you're looking uh, to play the Falcons, we'll look, the, the threes are there. Don't play a two and a half. The threes are going to continue to pop back up. I think this thing toggles a couple of different times before we get going on Sunday. So Brett, here's the deal with the Saints. Uh, it was a fortunate thing for them that they were playing the Broncos last week because they played one of the worst games that, uh, I mean, that game in just in general was one of the worst football games that has ever been played on a football field. It was absolutely atrocious. I watched every friggin' play of it because it was so bad. I wanted to take in just how bad the game was, was in an overall. But listen, Taysom Hill was bad. Now, Sean Payton, I think, also kind of hid that offense because he's like, look, they're not going to score on us anyway, so we're not really taking any chances here. We're not going to try to do anything stupid, and we're just going to go out of here with a, with an ugly win. And the scoreboard looked like a blowout. It was anything but that if you were actually watching the game in all of that. So I don't know. This uh, seems like a pretty interesting – I wish I was getting – I'll put it this way. I wish I was getting three and a hook with the Falcons as opposed to just the three – um, I think this could be an interesting spot for the for the Falcons to kind of keep this thing close, not because they're going to score a bunch of points on the Saints defense that over the last month and a half has become, I mean, arguably top three defense in the entire league. You know, I mean, if not the very best defense in the entire league over the last over the last month and a half. Um, but uh, it would be because I think that the offense is going to, to struggle because they just have not looked good under Taysom Hill by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, two and a half and three in this one. Yeah, this is an interesting matchup. The Falcons are good at defending what the Saints are currently doing best on offense, mm-hmm. and that's running the football. Atlanta sixth in run defense DVOA. Over the past four weeks, they've been especially good. Third in rush mm-hmm. defense EPA, second in success rate defense against the run, only behind the team that they're playing against this week in New mm-hmm. Orleans. So two two defenses that have looked very good recently. So matchup-wise, I can see why there are more backers for Atlanta here and why this is moving towards two and a half at some books. Uh, I do expect this to be a low scoring game, which only makes me, I mean, it makes a case more for Atlanta to cover if this is going to be a low scoring game, but man, I don't know. like anything shorter than three. I think I have to sell the Falcons off that blowout win over the Raiders last week. I mentioned how that was kind of a fraudulent, weird (laughs) blowout win. Mm -hmm. Um, The look ahead here was saints minus three and a half. So it's moved through the key number and I capped this at three. So, I mean, I feel like if you can get two and a half, this is a good opportunity to grab New Orleans at a bit of a discount. Um, I just, I don't think anyone on this show is a fan of what the Saints are doing with Taysom Hill under center right now. But <sighs> at the very least, they've been somewhat efficient on the ground. Mm-hmm. Ninth in EPA over the past two weeks, first in rushing success rate. So if they can move the ball on the ground against this Falcons defense, I, I think they'll be able to cover the number pretty uh pretty often so i like i like the saints at two and a half uh if it's three that's i, I don't really have a lean either way brad we're sitting here two and a half and three in this one i gotta be honest um 
And I'll be honest with you guys, this might be a, this might be, depending on how the juice plays out and how much this thing toggles back and forth, I might actually, it could be a play where I play the Saints at two and a half and then play the Falcons at three and hope for a win and a push. And then if not, then I just, <laughs> uh, and if not, then I just take the, uh, I just take the, the, the loss on the juice um, with, with this thing because it, three just seems like the right number, but for it keep going, going on and off the key number, I might have to just try and take advantage of that if I can get, again, if it works out for a juice standpoint for me i don't like what uh Taysom hill and this offense is doing but hey it's it's worked so far there's nothing i can really uh point to that says oh this is a definite advantage for the falcons at all one of the things i guess we should mention julio jones didn't practice again on thursday so they might be without julio jones in this game and as we know i mean if, if julio is not out there the, the guy's just a, a a beast it's uh, certainly a different offense for the falcons they've not been good the last month essentially i'm looking at um early down success rate over the last four games and the falcons are second worst in the nfl behind denver i want to be against Taysom hill um so the falcons were hoodwinked essentially in that first matchup when they prepared a week for Jameis, and then Taysom comes mm-hmm. out running it and you know running some different plays but you look you, you, you look at the kind of heat maps for that. He could only throw left, I think it was. He could only throw to one side of the field. Then he comes out against Denver. He can only complete eight passes again. Um, so I think the Falcons will benefit a lot from seeing him once, you know, seeing what, what plays they're going to run and how they're going to do it and just having time to prepare. Um, they also might be missing Terran Armstead, the left tackle, the Saints, um, which, would, which would be huge because he's, he's an all-pro left tackle and they dominated the... Uh, the trenches last time around. So that would be, that's a big one to keep an eye on. He's a game time decision last I checked. Um, so I don't necessarily see seeing the Saints score a lot of points, but the Falcons also very banged up and also going up against an elite defense as, as Brett kind of laid out. Um, so the injuries here are key. You've got to check Julio. You've got to check Gurley, uh, Hayden Hurst. He's banged up the tight end. Ridley's questionable as well. Probably will play, but, I would say if Julio is out, I think under 45, under 45 and a half, I think that would be quite mm-hmm. a nice play given uh, you know ha- how yeah. well these defenses are playing and how, how much both offenses are struggling. Yeah, I am with you 100 percent there. I mean, it is it is going to come down to a Julio decision for me because there is a if the Saints only have to focus on Calvin Ridley, then they're going to have a ton of success in in shutting down this Falcons offense. And um, if they, you know, you add that element of Julio and Ridley, and then things just completely change. And so uh, I'm going to keep a uh, we'll certainly be all over this injury report, and and that's going to shape a lot of that. But I do like that play if if Julio's out. They're gonna they'll be they'll be able to cover Ridley. They'll be able to cover this pass game, and of course, we know the defense is going to be able to get to to Matt Ryan as well a few different times. And so, I, I think the under definitely a good look there. Colts and the Texans. Big news here is this move has gone from the this thing has moved all the way from two and a half to three and a half. Uh, the news on Will Fuller getting suspended. And you have to think that this came out of nowhere, guys, because just two days prior, they, they sent Kenny Stills packing and, and cut him. And so they certainly would. They'd have been like, hey, man, you're disgruntled. I don't care. You're now an every down receiver. So you're going to play. I don't, we don't care if you're pissed off or not. But instead, they sent him on his way. And then Will Fuller gets suspended for the rest of the season. They have two 
two different actual active active roster receivers currently. Of course, they're going to call guys up off the practice squad and things like that. But it is Kiki Kuti, and it, like that is now a guy a guy who had fallen out of favor and was getting no snaps is now literally like your number two receiver for for this. Yeah, I mean for this team now, it's just it's absolutely nuts. When we take a look at this, of course, Brandon Cooks being the other guy there for the, the Texans. Um, there are narratives out there are narratives out there. And guys, people are actually doing this where they're showing splits of Deshaun Watson with and without Will Fuller on the field and saying like, look, his numbers aren't all that bad when Will Fuller isn't on the field. He had freaking DeAndre Hopkins on the team. Like, what are you talking about? Like, how are people doing this? Like, it is completely useless information. That is garbage information. Like, yeah, okay, his numbers weren't all that bad. He had a top five receiver in the whole freaking league on the team. So, I mean, come on. This is absurd that people are doing this and putting these numbers out there with all this. So it's moved through the key number. We're sitting at three and a half right now on this one, Brad. Uh, 50 and a half, 50, 50, 50 and a half is our total right now on this thing. And uh, again, there's going to be Texans with with two roster receivers and a, and a bunch of, uh, they do get David Johnson back if that matters for anybody. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it is tough because we know, we do know Deshaun Watson is playing you know, like a top three quarterback level. He, mm. He's not far behind Mahomes if we take into account what's around him because, you know, he, he's got kind of an interim coach. And so we're really going to see how important wide receivers are because mm. I, I think generally they are important, especially with, with the Colts getting healthy here. They got Buckner back about 10 minutes ago. He was activated. Danico Autry's back. Bobby, o- Bobby Okariki, the linebacker, also questionable, but should be back as well. So suddenly they're they're at full strength again. They're, they're not the team that was blown off the field last week by the Titans. They, they're, they're a good defense. And I, I think they'd probably keep the Titans, the, the Texans in check. Um, and then on the, on the other side of the ball, Bradley Roby as well. He was popped for um, for PEDs as well on the Texans, and he's he's like the only good cover corner on the team <laughs> as well. So suddenly the Texans don't really stop the run that well. Now they've lost their best cover corner. So I think I think the Colts move the ball, and I think they probably stop the Texans moving the ball. But I don't want to lay the three and a half. That's that's a big number, especially with the worst quarterback. So the the angle I liked here was first quarter or first half. You probably lay you know two two and a half with the Colts. Uh, they've they've got the best EPA per play on scripted plays. You know Frank Reich's cooking up some some nice stuff um, early in the game, um, and I would say Romeo Cronell is not essentially. And you know there might be some adjustment with with how these receivers work out there. So I like the Colts first half uh, probably minus two and a half or so if you can get that. So Brett, I just see right here about eleven minutes ago because we're we're we are recording. So this happened while we're doing while we're doing this. Uh, DeForest Buckner has been cleared and will play this week for the Colts. I took the Colts at three. I did not catch the two and a half. Unfortunately, it was gone. But I took the Colts at three in this thing. Here's the deal: you can't. This is when we're talking about wide receivers and importance of this, right? It's even more important for a team that cannot run the football at all. And this Texans team cannot run the football at all. And now they're going to get a Colts defense that actually defends the run 
that actually defends around pretty, listen, much better when DeForest Buckner's in there. We saw him get blasted. I mean, absolutely destroyed last week with him not in there. We're talking about another guy that's an actual, true, real uh, playmaker in there, a top five guy rated by Pro Football Focus at his position. And him being in there, I think, is going to help out a ton here. And it's, again, it's a it is a Houston team that has no success at all running the football. They can't figure out how they want to go about running the ball. It seems like they have a different running offense each and every week when we go out there. Uh, um, and so uh, they're going to have to throw the ball and they're going to be throwing. He's going to be throwing the ball to, uh, you know, a bunch of a bunch of practice squad guys. And I just think that that is going to be too much to overcome here. I took the flat three. I got to be honest. I don't even hate the three and a half. I certainly want flat three. I would look at maybe buying it down if that's the way you wanted to play it, just to give yourself a little bit of push equity there. But uh, I, I think the Colts, I think it's a pretty good spot for the Colts here against a, a Houston team that's going to be down, you know, again, their biggest playmaker. Yeah, Deshaun Watson now has a limited selection of playmakers to throw to. And unfortunately, yeah, that's that's been the best part of this Texas team all season. First in the NFL in explosive plays, first in yards per pass. And Will Fuller had a lot to do with that. And now the team's also without Randall Cobb. And as you mentioned, Kenny Stills. Uh, Meanwhile, their opponent this week, Indy, has been very good at defending the pass this season. So the move from two and a half to three and a half is understandable. The thing about Deshaun, though, is that he... He seems to adjust well with what he has and he can do it on his own. This is an elite quarterback. So the loss of playmakers doesn't impact him as much as a quarterback who relies on his big playmakers. So I don't know. I'm I'm a little hesitant to follow the herd on the Colts with this move. Indy just doesn't do enough offensively to excite Mm -hmm. me to put money on them as a road favorite. Uh, This Houston defense is, is, really bad uh, and really good offense have cut really good offenses have cut them up all season, but the Colts lack uh, that firepower. I like Brad's angle there with the, the scripted offense in the first half with Frank Reich um, because they, they do have spurts of really good play calling, which opens up the field and they, they have had more ex- explosive plays than I would have expected this season, but I don't know anything North of play. Any, anything North of three is, is a play on Houston for me because of Deshaun Watson and his ability to just kind of improvise and make plays. Uh, and yeah, we're getting the much better quarterback here. Uh, plus money at home. The uh, I should also mention the Colts, all the the guys that had to miss because of COVID, uh, all of them actually are going to be back this week. It looks like right now, so um, they'll be they'll get a they'll get a full offense back in there. Like, yeah, I mean, I see where y'all are coming from. I just I just do believe there's not going to be enough to get it done on the Houston side of things. I mean, listen, when there's it, it, it's just such an incredible drop off between a Will Fuller and calling a guy up off a practice squad. There's a big difference between a Kenny Stills and calling a guy up off of a practice squad. And, you know, again, a team that can't run the ball at all. So it's going to be a one dimensional. It's going to be a one dimensional offense against uh, against a team that does that defends well that one dimension you know so uh, it wouldn't surprise me actually i think i mean you know this is no surprise y'all all know i mean david johnson played wide receiver in college and then they moved him to then they moved him to running back it would not surprise me to see him line up a ton at wide receiver actually um to just to try to get a familiar body out there to throw to a familiar face for deshaun watson so um whatever his props come out at for receiving yards I'm going to take a really heavy look at that 
And if it's something that I feel is a little bit low, because again, we don't, we don't have the props listed right now, or I would love to be able to uh, give some, some more in-depth analysis on this, but the, the player props haven't been listed in the games yet. But um, if his receiving yards are in the mid twenties, low thirties, I'm going to be playing the over on that a ton. I actually think that they could line him up and, and kind of use him out of the slot, use him as a receiver here, because again, he used to do it and he's a familiar face where these other guys are not going to be for Deshaun Watson. They could, uh, they could do the same with Duke Johnson probably too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lions and the bears. This is a spot here where I think everybody wants to fade the bears, but then it's really hard to fade the bears when the lions are going to be without Kenny Galladay. And it looks as if they are going to be without Kenny Galladay yet again. And he just can't seem to get healthy. Just can't seem to get back out on the field. And we don't have to give you guys the, the splits. I mean, it's, it's stark. I mean, it is crazy how bad this offense is with and without uh, how, I mean, how bad it is without him on the field and how much it can actually look like a, an NFL offense when he is out there for this team. Um, a three point spread as we sit right now in favor of the bears, a 44 and a half total in this one. No shocker that the total is as low as it is. But um, Brett, it is three across the board right now in favor of the Bears. Yeah, this Bears team has fed off of a very good defense and the softest schedule in the NFL up to this point. But now you've got some injury concerns up front on this defense. Akeem Hicks, Khalil Mack, questionable. Looks like they might try to give it a go but this this bears defense looked inept last week without hicks and if you take mac out of the picture even like a a hobbled khalil mac they're gonna have trouble Mm -hmm. getting stops if those two guys don't play i don't know why this line wouldn't just be like a pick uh detroit isn't good at football but now they've got new life matt Matt patricia's gone they're getting a little healthier on offense no kenny galladay which which sucks but deandre swift will likely be back. Uh, this will look mo- a little more like the offense I had really high hopes for coming into the year. And there's still a huge stink on this Lions team after the way they looked on Thanksgiving Day. Um, now, th- if you didn't get in on this game early, you missed your chance at maybe one of the best numbers of the year. The Bears were minus six at open, and this has now dropped <laughs> all the way to three. But even still, I think there is a little value on a Lions team that is trending up against a Bears team that is unraveling on the field and apparently in the locker room all the way up to the front office as well. So I I do like Matt Stafford and a rejuvenated Lions team uh, in the first game without Matt Patricia to go out. And and I I like them on the money bet line on the money line bet uh, for this game as well as the plus three. Again, we don't bet narratives here, but they're fun to talk about. And uh, when Matt Patricia was fired, there were players rejoicing on Twitter, like taking it public that they were so incredibly happy that he was out of the picture. And so there are going to be people who say, hey, I bet this line team plays better because uh, Matt Patricia has gone. Hey, everybody hates that guy and they want to play better now that he's out of there again. It's just fun to talk about when it all comes down to it. Brad, yeah, I mean. Look, when this thing was at six, I just didn't have, I didn't pull the trigger early enough. I mean, six would have been the greatest number ever. I mean, <laughs> how how are the how are the Bears beating anybody by six points when it comes down to it? Uh, Mitchell Trubisky going to start again this week for them, despite the fact that Foles is practicing in full. So uh, it looks like they've just kind of made the decision to go back to Trubisky and just you know, whatever. I mean, the season's basically over for them as it is anyway. Um, the Lions. 
will get back Swift, but without Galladay, do you think they have enough on the offensive side against a defense that, yeah, might not be 100%, but is still going to be one of the better, you know, top 10-ish, 12, you know, top 10-ish defenses out there, even without Akeem Hicks? I think they do have enough. So, I mean, you, you, you said there, who are the Bears beaten by six? And I, th- I think their biggest win of the season is five points. So they're beating nobody by six. And I, I think that five-point <laughs> victory was was over the Panthers, 21-16. And I think they lost the yards per play there, but they, they got turnovers and stuff. Um, you know, so you, you talk about the coaching narrative and I, I, I think I think it's real in this case. As you say, like the Lions team, apparently last year they had mimosas at the end of the season because they wouldn't <laughs> have to see Matt Patricia the entire summer. Like that's how much they hated him. You know, he, he's got this burner account blaming every player, everyone in the building except him. You know, oh, it's Stafford's uncoachable, Slay's lazy, Quinn's an idiot, got me the wrong players. So I really think he's just an abysmal coach and possibly an abysmal human judging by his, his Twitter mm-hmm. account. Um, and so I, I think the entire Lions team is this week going, we need to win this game just to prove that it's not us and it's him. So I really think you're getting their absolute best effort. Um, and as I say, the, the Bears don't beat anyone by a lot of points because the offense is dross. The offense is bottom five unit. Um, so yeah, so I, I would have a small bet, but I'm not going nuts. A, because Golladay, as you say. So Swift, he, he's out of the concussion protocol, but he didn't practice yesterday. So... I don't know if they've still got some concerns about his his brain there. He um, was, but no, again, it was he, a it was an illness not related to COVID, okay. is what they said. So he could be back on Friday. So, we, yeah, we think okay. That, well, that, that sounds positive then. Um, so yeah, I mean, Swift in there, he's, he's a bit of a dynamic weapon. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's enough juice in the in the plus three. Given we are going to get the absolute best effort against the bad team here. So I'll. Uh, I thought Galladay, so I, I kind of jumped the gun on this. I thought Galladay was going to be back this week. I didn't catch the six, but I did catch a four that I teased to 10. So this was, so I have the Lions plus 10 in this game. Um, so it was under the, again, under the assumption Galladay was going to be back. Cause it, I mean, he's been practicing. He just, it's just like every week he practices and they're like, yeah, he's not good enough to go. Yeah. He's practicing. not good enough to go. I was like, okay, this is finally going to be, be the week. He's practiced like three weeks in a row. He just hadn't been able to play. And then it doesn't look like he's going to be about be out there yet again. I still don't feel bad about having a plus 10. I mean, listen, I, I like a whole lot better. If y'all like a plus three, then I'm certainly feeling pretty good with a, with a plus 10 in my pocket on this thing. It would be a, it would be, it would be a lion's play or nothing for me. I mean, it's crazy to say, with you know a team without their best you know without their best playmaker and without a coach is is the team that I'm like yeah that's the play for me or nothing but uh this bears team dude i mean yeah lions defense 30th overall dvoa but they're going up against the 28th overall offense dvoa they're going up against pro football focus 27th overall I mean, so it's like two horrible horrible units and you know what i'll take i'll take mitchell trubisky doing something stupid i'll take mitchell trubisky doing something that like gets this game uh, like swings this game to where we get within a field goal in this thing so uh definitely in on the uh three and might even be in on the under 44 and a half if we're being honest like i just don't know this seems like a disgusting ugly you know, fourteen to ten type game or something like I I could see just uh, just grossness all over the field. So, might even be looking in that direction as well. Here's another another game with a spread of more than a touchdown. The Giants 
on the road at the Seahawks. They are 10 point underdogs in this one. 47 and a half is your total. Brad, it looks like the Giants are going to be without Daniel Jones. It's going to be Colt McCoy under center for them. I don't think it really matters all that much, but hey, let's go ahead and mention it. Um, Seahawks, of course, look, uh, one of the most dynamic offenses on the, you know, basically out there, but this defense continues to kind of surrender yard as they did in this past week. But I mean, hey, uh, we're going to consider opponent and everything. But uh, one of the things I did not like this past week was we were loving the fact that, you know, the hashtag let Russ cook. Right. And we were loving that a ton. Well, Pete Carroll got Chris Carson back this past week and he loves Chris Carson so much. And all he did after the game, by the way, in the press conference was, was rave about how awesome Chris Carson was. And they started running a little bit more on early downs and running a little bit more on first down than they were doing whenever Chris Carson was out. And I fear that this might be uh, something that is recurring as we move forward again, because Pete Carroll don't know if y'all know this or not. Oldest coach in the NFL. I mean, I'm not counting Romeo Cornell, who is a who's an, a, a, a fill-in coach right now. But, um, you know, Pete Carroll, old school dude, been around the game a long, long time, probably still believes in hashtag establish the run and all the things like that and loves him some Chris Carson. That does give me a little pause here on such a big, big number, uh, even with Colt McCoy under center. Uh, yes, I agree with you. I mean, Carol this week was saying um, that I think if they get to 50 runs and completions, that's the magic number to win the game, which, you know, <laughs> is, is stunning to me that, that yeah. you know, I'm sure, he, I'm sure he's great at other parts of his job, but that's just a huge oversight to have in your profession, if you ask me, like believing something like that. But anyway, <laughs> um, so yes, you're right. They are, they're running the ball more, um, you know after being the, the most pass-heavy team on early downs uh, for the first 10 weeks of the season, they'd be 26th in the NFL over the last two weeks. Um, you know, that basically after Russ has had his little bad stretch, you know, as you say, Carol said, we're, we're throwing too much, putting too much on his plate. The defense is gasp, yada, yada. So they, they have switched. So more running on early downs. They're also going slower. They've slowed their pace down to 19th in the NFL rather than they were top 10 before. Uh, and then they, the defense is improved as well. You know, since Dunlap there, uh, since they got Dunlap for the Bengals, sack rate's gone up. They've got Jamal Adams back, you know, ro- roaming around the line of scrimmage as well. They're getting a bit healthier at corners. Um, and then the Bengals come in, not the Bengals, <laughs> the Giants come in, Colt McCoy, probably we've got here, three yards per pass last week, awful. Um, and they're running the ball a lot as well. So I think it sets up quite nicely for an under where the Seahawks, you know, go up. 14 nil at halftime and then just three yards in a cloud of dust the entire second half and, and Colt McCoy can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, under 47, I, I thought was a nice look. Brett, uh, 10 points, a lot of points in the NFL uh, against the team. Again, I think the identity is kind of changing for the Seahawks team. And, and Brad just pointed it out as well. It's kind of starting to play out as well over the last couple of weeks. Um, that said, how much confidence do you have that the Giants can put anything on the board, even against a team that, uh, you know, should, should be able to be passed on at the very least. Can't run on this team for sure. Yeah. That's the question. What's the difference between Daniel Jones and Colt McCoy? Jones obviously gives you more upside, but he's also more likely to shoot himself with his Mm -hmm. own gun. And this offense was already among the worst in efficiency in the entire league with Daniel Jones. So, 
Yeah, I, I don't I don't know how much Daniel Jones to Cole McCoy is worth. Maybe a point or two. The look the look ahead on this game was Giants plus seven and a half. It's now up to ten. So if you don't think it's worth, you know, one, two points, maybe you find some value on the Giants uh, with that two and a half point move. And and New York really doesn't have any other injury concerns outside of quarterback. They mm-hmm. are pretty healthy right now. This is a, this is a stay away for me. Not really knowing what this offense is going to look like. With McCoy, like Brad said, I mean, he was six for 10 for 31 yards in relief last week against the Bengals, which is pretty disgusting. But they will have more of a plan for him in effect, and he might be yeah. better this week against the Seahawks. Against the Seahawks. Uh, the, the problem for the Giants is they're not good at defending the pass. And of course, we know what the Seattle offense can be with Ross when he's cooking. But like you guys said, like, will they get complacent with the run game again? Because this is what happens when he has Chris Carson. They run the football. Mm-hmm. So to cover a big number, running the football is not a, where I want to be. That said, if, if they are throwing the ball all around the field again, they could certainly cover that number easily. Uh, so this one is a stay away from me until I see more of what uh, Colt McCoy looks like. And yeah, what this Seattle offense looks like uh, more of a sample now that Chris Carson's back. Yeah. Same deal. Well, it's like, uh, listen, yeah, yeah. Go Brad. Oh, sorry. Uh, just a quick note on Colt McCoy. His last two seasons in the games he played at the Redskins, he had a minus 50% DVOA. Um, and just for comparison, Denver has the worst offensive DVOA this year at minus 28%. So he, he's been really bad the last two years. The uh, okay. we talked about this. I mean, listen, the the Seattle, uh, the, the Seattle pass offense against the Giants pass defense. I mean, we don't even have to tell you it's just, it is it is huge. But and we, we talk about, though, that Seattle's uh, Seattle's defense can be passed on. But, hey, we're talking about the 28th ranked pass DBOA, you know, offense in the league. It's it is a bad pass offense. And that was with Daniel Jones. And now Colt McCoy is going to be under center. So just so many unknowns in this one. So many different ways this thing could play out. I think I am probably going to uh, to sit this one out as well. If anything, I do like that underlook that Brad talked about. And uh, I probably have to take the points if I was going to play it, which sounds so gross to say. But uh, probably if I was going to play it, I'd probably have to. Uh, Rams and the Cardinals. Uh, if we are looking at DraftKings right now, it is sitting at two and a half. You will find threes at a lot of other places. I would jump on the two and a half if I were you. I did jump on the two and a half with the Rams. Um, This is one of those spots here, guys. And listen, I understand practiced in full and they're going to say everything's fine. I have eyeballs and Kyler Murray is hurt and he is not playing and he is not playing up to what we saw for Kyler Murray through the first half of the season. You can also tell that he is hurt because he is hesitant to run the ball as well, where he was tucking and running and taking off at every given opportunity. He doesn't want to take hits. He doesn't want that shoulder to be exposed. And you can tell that Kyler Murray is playing hurt. He was limited in practice earlier in the week. He did put in a full practice, but they are listing it as a right shoulder injury for him. In this game further, let's just be honest, this uh, this Cardinals defense is complete gutter trash as well. And what we've seen for this Rams team is if they play defense with a pulse, they struggle and look like garbage. If they play a bad defense, they actually look like an NFL team and are able to to, to put some points up on the board to get this thing at under a field goal. Uh, I jumped on it as soon as humanly possible. 
I would too if I were you out there, but I'm very interested as to what you guys have to uh, have to say about all this. Brett, let's start with you. Cardinals, uh, you can catch a three if you want them. You There are two and a halfs out there if you want the Rams. Yeah, both of these teams coming off bad losses in which their high-profile offenses were stunted. I think both of these teams are a bit fake when looking at the records, but I do trust the Rams more because of this defense. I think it's still a little underappreciated, even with Aaron Donald in there. This defense has looked great. Uh, And I certainly don't trust Cliff Kingsbury to draw up a better game plan than Sean McVay. And like you said, you add in the fact that Murray is not anywhere near 100%, limits what they can do offensively because he's so good with his legs. Uh, so the Rams Rams minus three looks fair to me. And if you can get two and a half, I, I think that's a great play on L.A. here. I don't think I don't think the Cardinals are anywhere near where the market is, is placing them right now. And they've been a public darling all year. I think people are starting to f- like starting to, to get away from that. But even still, I, I, I think there's built in value on the Rams here just because of, of where the Cardinals are in the market. Brad, Jalen Ramsey, uh, DeAndre Hopkins is the exactly the type of receiver that Jalen Ramsey has success against. Um, He's 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 really, really good at the DeAndre Hopkins, DK Metcalf type receivers, the big body dudes like whatever. That is who Jalen Ramsey really has a ton of success. And he is going to he will shadow DeAndre Hopkins in this game. So basically it will be what I consider to be a banged up. Kyler Murray trying to get things done here with, you know, Christian Kirk and the secondary guys and things like that. Um, again, I don't like Jared Goff at all. I have I have I have backed and faded the Rams at every given opportunity this season, like it completely based on matchup. What how do they line up against this other team? And I will go back and forth as to how I view this Rams team and this the way that um, the way this matches up with Arizona right here um, for me. I look a bad defense, a defense that doesn't get much pressure, a defense that is um, probably going to allow him time to kind of do that dink and dunk thing that they did even against the uh, against the Bucks a couple of weeks ago as well. So um, I don't like the Rams overall as a team. I don't like Jared, Jared Goff overall as a player, but as less than a field goal here, I will uh, I will take them every single day of the week. Yeah, I'm pretty much with with you guys. So when I first looked at the number, you know, I, I, I felt like it should be a lot close to pick them. Um, but then as 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 I got more into the matchups, I basically thought that every matchup favoured the Rams. Um, you know, we know they want to run the ball, um, and and Arizona is 28th in PFF rush defense DVOA, uh, PFF rush grade. So well, they'll be able to run the ball um, when Arizona has the ball, as you say. Murray's injured and that, that takes a huge edge away. Hopkins is taken out of the game. And then, so you've got Kirk against Darius Williams. Well, he's, he's the third ranked cornerback in the NFL by PFF. So he takes Kirk out of the game. So you've got Larry Fitz, like you, you've got Larry right. Fitz at five yards, right. a, a catch doing absolutely nothing. He scares nobody. The interior of the Cardinals line, they, they won't be able to block Donald. So I just think wherever you look, there's matchups favoring the Rams and it's kind of shown McVeigh's had six games against these Rams since he got there uh, against these Cardinals. And he's won, I think he's six and zero and scored 30 points in each game. So he knows how to score points here. Um, so yeah, I would, I, I would, I would guess this would go back to three um, rather than the two and a half it is now. So I, I would take the two and a half. Eagles and the Packers. This one is very interesting. This actually has been, 
on the move as well. One of the things you can do, we talk about this at DraftKings, you can actually click on a game and there's a little tab that says stats. And if you click betting trends, it's not actually trends for betting. You can go in. It's, it's how the game is trending on their site. And you go down and you can see how this spread um, has, has fallen. Like this is people are backing the Eagles in this thing. Um, it had fallen as low as eight. It's now back up to eight and a half. But um, people coming in and putting some money on this Eagles team. Brad, tell me why. Sorry, I have no idea. I have no idea what they're saying, <laughs> to be honest. Um I, I really don't know because they've been awful all year. You know, we, yeah. we speak every week that Carson Wentz gets all these excuses. Um, and it, it seems to be based back on his 2017 season. And People have gone back now and said he was just overperforming in the red zone and overperforming on third down. And that might have been because Frank Reich was his coach and good at calling plays. And, you know, he's, he's been average or below average ever since without pressure, with pressure, whatever. Um, the So the offensive line is banged up as well. Um, you know, it didn't show too much against the Seahawks because the pass rush isn't that great, but they've got the Smith brothers here who should be in their face the entire time. Um, now the Packers, when they've got the ball, they've been a top five offense all year. They they should have their have their way with the, the back end of the Eagles defense. Um, there was some concern because um, the Packers center, Corey Lindsay is out and they were a little bit banged up, but everyone else is practicing. So, you know, the, the offensive line should still be good. Fletcher Cox for the Eagles, um, he's out with a neck. He mispracticed with a neck. So that's kind of the strength of, of their defense that might be a little bit worse than usual. Um, and if you're not getting pressure against Rodgers, he'll carve you up all day. Um, so I'll, I couldn't back the Eagles with stolen money, as they say. Um, <laughs> I've not backed the Packers yet, um, but I, I, I'll need to look into it a little bit more. It's, you know, it's been a game further away that I've not got too deep into yet, but would be leaning Packers at current numbers. Brett, I can tell you one thing. The uh, This will be the sports books will be rooting for the Eagles so incredibly hard because it is going to destroy every teaser leg that happens on the face of the planet because this thing at eight and a half or eight and getting this uh, Packers down to under a field goal against this Eagles team, I'm falling for it. I think everyone else in the whole world is falling for it. It is going to be a massive, massive decision for me in this one for the Packers to win by at least a field goal in this game. But I cannot in any way, shape, or form figure out how they cannot beat this team by more than a field goal. I mean, this Eagle, it's, we can't make any more excuses for the Eagles. It, it was it was injuries for a while. It was this, it was that. They were completely healthy the past two weeks, like as, as, as healthy as they have been in forever and have still continued to look inc- like just inept on the offensive side of the ball. Now, look, they're still pretty decent. They're still pretty good on the defensive side. There will be some, there will be a couple of drives where the Packers don't score. They will have to punt in this game, but if the Eagles aren't scoring whenever they receive those punts, Aaron Rodgers and his guys are going to do what they have to do. Uh, tell me they don't win this game by a field goal, at least. I mean, eight and a half, you can at least question this, but tell me they don't win this game by a field goal. And this isn't like the teaser leg of the century. Yeah, this is a great teaser leg. <laughs> this is this is a very similar spot as last week that ended very poorly for me when I was on the Bears. Like the, the Packers facing a team that is very good up front defensively, but terrible pretty much everywhere else, including at quarterback. And Aaron Rodgers 
consistently just steps on the throats of bad football teams. So maybe call it a lesson learned, especially with how good this Packers offensive line has been at protecting Rodgers all season. First and pressure allowed, fourth and adjusted sack rate. This offensive line has been tremendous. Um, they can neutralize this Eagles pass rush. And like Brad said, with Fletcher Cox trending toward not playing, why can't Rodgers just have his way with this mm-hmm. Eagles defense on Sunday? And my rule is always, if you're on the fence about a side, just take the better offense because it's 2020 and passing offense matters more than ever before. And I just don't see why, especially if you're on the teaser side, why the Packers just don't don't cover the two and a half almost every time. Yeah. I mean, listen, I can tell you guys right now, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you're listening to this in podcast and my buddies here on the, if, if they do not cover by three, it is going to be a bad Sunday for me. I can guarantee you that there's going to be a lot of money rolling into that. And uh, if they do not cover by three points, it's going to be a horrible Sunday for me, but it's real tough for me to get to a point where they don't, like you said, Brett, that was one of the first things I looked at is, is if they have been protecting Rogers so, so well. And one of the things about Rogers, and we talk about this with these super intelligent, savvy quarterbacks is he just rarely takes bad sacks, right? Like he knows when to get rid of the ball. He knows how to get rid of the ball. He knows when to escape the pocket. He's not fleet of foot, but he's not super slow either. So if you're going to give him, if the pocket starts to collapse and he sees four yards or five yards, he'll go take the four yards or the five yards and stuff. And so it's just, uh, he's playing as well as, as I've seen him play in, in all of his years. And He's going to, uh, I think he's going to be able to neutralize any of the pressure that may or may not get to him in this game. I just, it's very, very tough for me to get to the, to the Eagles side here. Uh, Here's an interesting one in the Patriots and the Chargers, because this game has completely flipped. This started out as a Chargers point and a half favorite. It is now flipped at DraftKings completely to the Patriots as a point favorite in this one uh brett it is a pick at a couple of places and um but uh, for, for the majority it is now flipped completely to where it is the patriots as the favorite as opposed to the chargers look it happened again this past week anthony lynn look i know everyone says he's a great guy I'm glad he's a great guy. He needs to be a great guy, not coaching an NFL football team. That's just where this needs to be. Another more boneheaded decisions, more horrible play calling, more horrible in-game management. Like you cannot trust this. This is not no longer like anecdotal with this. Like, I mean, it's no longer small sample size stuff with this chargers team. Like we have enough of a, a sample size now to realize like the game is going to be mismanaged at some point. It has happened nearly every single game throughout the course of the season. Did it again this past week as well which has forced this, this, this line where if you look guys, if I just gave you blind resumes and I didn't, I didn't have people's names next to them. And it was just like, you know, blind resumes, you would point to the charger side and like, be like, that team's a seven point favorite. Like you would just like, like player for player position for position. They're better nearly everywhere. Yet we're sitting here with the Patriots as a one point favorite in this one, Brett. Um, I look at it and I say, Hey, I get it. The coaching, the coaching, the coaching advantage for the Patriots is that vast in this game. It is. And uh, like, I want to sell New England here off a win, but that you have to look at the coaching disadvantage. And this is actually a very good matchup for the Patriots offensively. They rank fourth in, in offense, uh, rush offense DVOA, third in rush offensive grade at PFF. They run block extremely well. And LA has been terrible at defending the run all season. This is not a defense that is built to stop the run. They built this defense to stop the pass. Uh, 
I'm looking at the over here. You've got two teams that operate uh, at very different paces, like the Patriots, like the slow punishing ground game and the Chargers, like the up-tempo air attack. But if, if the, if the Chargers can't stop the run, I do think the Patriots are going to have a lot of success on the ground here, and the Chargers should be able to move the ball through the air against this Patriots defense that outside of Stephon Gilmore lacks talent, as you said. Like, to put it bluntly, this defense has no talent on it mm-hmm. at all. So I, I, I like the over here 47 and a half, one of my favorite plays of the week, and if I had to pick a side here, I would be on the Chargers. I keep going back and forth on the Patriots because these lines keep shift. Like, the, the look ahead versus where they reopen on the Patriots every week, it moves like two and a half, three points. <laughs> I, it's, it's crazy because they just go back and forth. They look like a different team from one week to the next. So it's a, it's a good team to buy uh, off a win or a good team to sell off a win. I think that's that gives value to the chargers this week who were minus two and a half on the look ahead last week. Brad, full transparency. I'm not on this game. Uh, I, a little, little too many, uh, too many question marks for me. I mean, one of the things I didn't like when I read yesterday, they, asked Cam Newton like he was listed on the injury report with an abdominal issue and they asked him how he was feeling and he said I feel as good as I'm supposed to feel and I'm like that doesn't really uh, yeah I I mean like that doesn't really like I didn't like hearing that which like so I don't know just uh, too much for me here I think it's appropriate that it's a pick them because like talent side goes to the Chargers they're going to blunder something throughout the game Bill Belichick's going to scheme up something uh, it probably is a pick to me I- I'm so confused uh, do, you, do you have a play on this one I do not have a play I mean mm. the Patriots were so bad last week like they did nothing against that Cardinals offense mm. they got two big pump returns got turnovers and you know squeaked out on special teams in the end um but the Chargers' defense is banged up. So Melvin Ingram out for the year. It looks like possibly his last ever snap as a Charger. Um, Denzel Perryman, very important against the run. Big in this game, he didn't practice. And then Casey Hayward, the, the corner, also didn't practice. So if they're out, it looks like the Pats should have success running the ball. But you would have said that last week. And right. Right. Success running the ball. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'm not involved. I I would suspect the Pats squeak out a tight one because, mm. you know, we, just, just on the coaching mismatch, I know mm. everyone's been talking about it all week. It, it, it's got to be a bigger factor when you, when, when Lynn has so many weaknesses that Bill, you know, a really good coach can right. push those edges more, I would have said. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not involved, but you, you'd be mad about the charges, I think, and you'd be you'd be hitting yourself in the head when Lind does something stupid because he will. I um, another game here that I'm not involved in. I'll get y'all's opinion on it. Uh, this Broncos Chiefs game is bounced back and forth between 13 and a half and 14. And really, for me, the reason is because the Chiefs are going to win by as many as they want to win by. But I don't know when they're going to decide that it's time to to back off and when it's time to nod and how how open is the back door going to be there's still a chance they could get the one overall seed should the Steelers stumble so there's so many kind of unknowns and and factors here in a game with a with a two touchdown spread that I'll just sit back and watch and if they decide to win by 30 cool if they decide to take their foot off the gas and then the Broncos come in the back door fine by me but I'm not going to get pissed off because I decided to play one one way or the other um y'all take it away if y'all have an opinion on this one but again a, a game one of the very first games I scratched off this week no opinion for me. Um, the, uh, one thing I thought was interesting: the um, the first game was Denver was bet down a lot. Like they were, I think they were bet down like three points in the build up to that game, and then um, you know they 
the, the like yards per play success rate was very close, but they yeah. gave up like three non non offensive TDs, so um, were blown out. So maybe maybe we see that again at fourteen, but you know, offensive DVOA they last in the NFL. So even before that last week's non quarterback mm. game, so they're, they're terrible, um, and the Chiefs are good. So <laughs> that's that's all I've got for you. Yeah, yeah, they're they're pretty good. Uh, the, the the spread <laughs> the spread on this game the first time around was seven. And the Chiefs won 43 to 16 behind a defensive touchdown, a kick return for a touchdown and a four to one advantage in turnovers. And like Brad said, 5.6 yards per play to 5.4. So the final score didn't really tell the whole story there. That said, the Chiefs just always seem to do this to Denver. They just they cover even though the box score doesn't line up with the final score. So I don't know. It's a little gross just looking at the, the recent history of these two teams and what Kansas city has done to Denver. But I think you have to go right back to the Broncos here, uh, not watch the game and hope that drew lock doesn't do drew lock things in negative script and hope they get a backdoor cover. Uh, and yeah, I hope that Kansas city just kind of wants to get out of there healthy yeah. with a win. Uh, just, it's so hard to trust drew lock to get a backdoor cover in the fourth quarter. It really is. I know. That's why I was like, I was going down this list this week and I'm going down. Again. All right. Well, that's the first one. I, literally the first one. Like, right, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to waste uh, 12 minutes of my time researching this game. Like I, I have no interest whatsoever. Uh, it's so many points it. though. It is. It is. It is. But I mean, they can win by 30 if they want to in this game. Oh yeah. But they, it, it just depends. It just depends. Like you said, I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into play here. They want to stay healthy. You, you don't keep sending Tyreek Hill down the field for 50 yard bombs. If you're up 20, because it doesn't, you don't want him to tweak a hamstring or a groin or, you know, or whatever. So like, it really just depends on when they decide to take their foot off the gas. And since I don't know when they're going to do that and how soon they're going to do that and whatever, it's just, it's, it's hard for me to, to get there. Uh, Washington football team at the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the first of a Monday night doubleheader. The spread is eight and a half in favor of the Steelers, a total of 42. So again, another one of those games where it screams we're supposed to take the dog because it's a low total in a uh, in a game with a huge spread. Actually, you can catch nine on the football team over at points bet right now. So there are eights out there. There are nines out there and, and the rest of the books have eight and a half. Um, Brad, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, look, Steelers, no team has been jacked with more than the Steelers so far this season. It has been a team that has had their bye week moved up when they really wanted it to be more in the middle of the season. They've had games moved and postponed and all kinds of craziness, including this past week. And here they come on a short week to play a five o'clock Eastern, a two o'clock Pacific kickoff on a Monday. Um Eight and a half, 42. Do you think the Steelers just continue to roll on or could this be a flat spot for them? Well, there, there's no respect in this line, is there, for a, you know, an, an undefeated team against like, yeah. a third-string quarterback from the NFC East. There, no respect whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the rest, I guess, is a big part of that line. Um, I quite fancied the over mm-hmm. um, for a couple of reasons. One, both of these teams have had very easy schedules on defense. Um, both top five easiest, Steelers third easiest, Redskins fourth easiest, or football team fourth easiest. So they're probably not as good as they look. Uh, we spoke about the Steelers' defensive injuries earlier with Dupree and um, Devin Bush out. Um, and then both quarterbacks, A, they throw the ball a lot. 
um, and they get it out quick. So kind of the strength of these defenses is the pass rush, but these quarterbacks could neutralize it just by, you know, reading pre-snap and then just slinging the ball out there. And then neither of them are that good at running the ball either. These two teams, Redskins are better, but the Steelers are bad as we discussed earlier as well, especially against this good defensive line. So I think we might see a lot of uh, just slinging the ball around, um, which is generally favorable for an over, especially when it's down at 42 yeah, I, I listen. I understand the Steelers are coming on short rest. I, I get all that. Um, d- should get James Conner back off of the COVID thing again. We'll we'll see, but it looks like that that's how that will work. So they should be back at full strength uh, coming into this. As much as they have sputtered on offense, Brett, they're still putting up mid twenties, right? So I mean, like it's still like there's never a game where they're only going to put up you know seventeen points or so. Like they're still putting up those mid to high twenties and and even against, you know, good defenses and stuff. So 42 is incredibly, incredibly low. I would certainly kind of lean in that direction on the over as well. And, you know, a 42 total, I don't need to, uh, I don't need to spell this out for everybody, but if you did tease the football team up, you would be getting over two touchdowns in a 42 total football game. Um, in which historically probably covers 95% of the, like 90% of the time. I don't have the numbers in front of me or something, but um, just something to throw out there. I think you could also tease it the other way. The Steelers down to a field goal. Uh, I still do believe that they win though. I do have a feeling that maybe we see a little bit more of those kind of like flat spots just because this team has just been through the ringer. Yeah, I do like your guys' angle on the over, too, because if they are flinging it around, that means more dropbacks and opportunities for these two pass rushes to get after the quarterback quarterback and force turnovers, maybe some scoring plays, better field position. So I, I think the over is a, a really sharp I mean, play here. Been through 51 times this past week, you know, like yeah. uh, when they when they couldn't run the ball. And if you if we assume they can't run the ball against against football team, he threw 51 times this past week. So, I mean, they're not afraid to just put it in the air every single snap. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's my play on this game. I like the over as well. I, I don't really have a lean on a side you know the short week for pittsburgh a lot of prep time here for washington uh both of these teams have played cupcake schedules so it's mm. i you can sit here and talk about some of these cupcake wins for washington but the steelers have done a lot of the same and that's why they are 11 and 0 now without bud dupree getting pressure on the edge i mean that's a big loss for the steelers because that's what mm. they do best and that's where all their success stems on defense so another reason to like the over uh, maybe uh, washington can find a little more success getting the ball quickly uh, to terry mclaurin and uh, some of these receivers so yeah i like the over here i don't really have a, a lean on the side <laughs> As we do each and every week, we will start with you when we talk about the Buffalo Bills. They are one point. So this number has been moving uh, rapidly in favor of the 49ers. It is actually a plus one on the Niners, minus 120 at DraftKings right now, which indicates we're heading towards a pick in this game. The Bills on the road in Arizona. It's uh, Of course, this game will be played in Arizona on the 49ers. This thing is actually flipped all the way 
over at BetMGM where the Niners are now one point favorites in this game, Brett. So you can find a plus one. You could do the old double whammy teaser here, guys, if you wanted to. You could like you could take the one team up to seven, the other team up to seven. But, I, you know, I did, that's I know a lot of people don't like to play those ways, but you have a, a nice little nice little middle there on, a, on both sides. But uh, Bill's either a point dog or a point favorite um, out there right now. How do you see this thing? How do you see this thing breaking down for your bills? I mean, I, I get it. I mean, what, what the Niners do best on offense is run the football and nobody is worse at defending them run than the Buffalo Bills. So matchup wise, like I understand why this line has moved and the Niners are getting healthier on defense as well. So I, this is a team that I loved coming into the season in the Niners. Uh, so they're starting to look more like the Niners, even though the other you know, without Garoppolo, they're still without George Kittle, but they love to run the football, and I think they're going to find a lot of success here against Buffalo. So this is, as a Bills fan, this is a scary game, even though they're not playing in the you know the home stadium of the Niners. That, that doesn't matter in, in, yeah. in this year anyway. So yeah, I this this Niners team they looked impressive last week, and they're yeah they're looking more like the team I, I expected to see coming into the year. So I I get it. I would have preferred to get them earlier in the week. I think this line that we're looking at right now is pretty fair because I think the Bills are going to find success through the air as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, you guys tell me. I actually like the over in this thing at 47. Um, I, I think the Bills are going to be able to pass the ball. I understand that the 49ers are as healthy as they've been. But um, look, the Bills have made no bones about it as to how they're going to approach from an offensive standpoint. They can't run the ball. They're not going to try to square peg round hole or anything here. They're just going to throw the ball all the time. And and Josh Allen extends drives, extends plays enough with his legs, is able to uh, you know call his own number in the red zone and, and whatnot. And then I think the 49ers, as you mentioned, listen, we know what they can do on the ground when things get rolling. This team's going to be as healthy on the offensive side outside of Garoppolo. Uh, we've had in like the and, – and Kittle, obviously, I'm just talking about like once those guys left in the past like three or four weeks we're going to have Debo we're going to have Brandon Ayuk out there playing together at the same time looks like a full stable of of running backs because they've got like nine different guys that they rotate in rotate in and out there for them Brad um look what the 49ers have done considering this mash unit throughout the course of the season is pretty damn impressive. I mean, it makes you wonder if they're going to have to have a real coming to Jesus, whether Jimmy Garoppolo is the man for them, because they got a lot of young talent on this team and uh, for next year, but that's, that's a conversation for us in the off season here, but uh, one point favorites and 47 as we sit right now. Yeah. Fascinating game because you know, just, just just look at the quarterbacks and you've got Josh Allen, he's probably a top 10 quarterback against the backup. And it, it kind of shows you how good the rest of the Niners team is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll probably quite like your angle, Matt, with the over. And I would I would cut it down just to the first quarter for me. So, mm-hmm. you know, a, a lot of the things you said about how pass happy, I think we could expect the Bills to be. Um, but if we just look at uh, EPA, passing EPA on scripted plays. Uh, Bills are third in the league and San Fran are seventh. So kind of, mm-hmm. I would just distill it down to the first quarter over nine, 9.5 you might get or, or maybe a 10. And I would just play the over there and expect Shani to, and uh, Dayball to cook up some nice scripts for us. 
Yeah, it was. It's one of those things where I, at least with these team identities, one of the things the Bills don't do is at least we know who they are, right? Like I, I love that I know when I go into a Bills game that I, I know what this team identity is. It's like, hey, look, we don't run the ball very well, so we're not going to sit here and try to do the two yards dead in the middle of the line over and over and over again and just hope that it ends up working out. They just abandon it and they go to the passing and then, listen, it's their strength right now. Of course, John Brown not being out there is a big thing, but Brett, Gabriel Davis looked pretty good last week. He, well, despite the fact he only had three catches, he did have 78 yards a touchdown. He had a nice catch along the sidelines. It looks like Josh Allen trusts him. He threw his way uh, multiple times in the game. I think he ended up having seven targets or something like that. So um, I, I while not, John Brown not being out there certainly hurts, they will have Beasley. They will have uh, Diggs. And, of course, if Gabriel Davis can kind of fill that gap just a little bit, I don't think that the pass offense is hurt like exponentially. Yeah, I agree. Gabriel Davis is a he's been a really nice addition to this offense. Uh, what a find in the third or fourth round they got him. That was uh, yeah, he's been he's been tremendous. And yeah, he has softened the blow of losing a John Brown in this passing offense. Uh, so I don't think that really makes much of a difference in this offense, honestly. Uh, the final game here is on a Tuesday. Uh, guys, we don't even have a total for this one. The line just got posted yesterday afternoon. We're still a ton of question marks around the Ravens. John Harbaugh wouldn't commit to saying that Lamar Jackson was going to start this week. Like, I just all kinds of weirdness. So, uh, no real analysis for me yet on a Tuesday here. We'll have a we'll have written articles up on the site. I'll do a video whenever we get for closer to it uh, down down the week. Whenever we figure out how things are going to get going. But I mean, I guess until people get cleared and there's definitely going to be, yes, these people are playing and these people aren't playing and all that really tough for me to kind of come in with an opinion on this one, Brad, how do you, you know, do you have anything on Ravens Cowboys as we sit right now? Seven and a half is the line again, no total posted at DraftKings. I've not really gone too much into it yet. Mm. Um, I'm just looking at ESPN, FPI, they make it 12 and football outsiders make it 9.3. So you, you would maybe a little edge, um, without going too much into it, the matchups mm. yet there. Um, but that probably doesn't factor in the short rest for the Ravens. Um, you would assume they'd be angry and want to smash someone's head in. So uh, yeah, uh, they might do that to the Cowboys, to be honest. Brett, you have anything on this one or a little too early in the week for you? Nope. Wait and, wait and see for me. I'm going to watch a video on Tuesday and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, it's going to be uh listen, it, it, we expect Lamar Jackson to be back, but again, like, I mean, this is, this is weird. And Harbaugh was noncommittal and basically saying, uh, you know, all kinds of weirdness there. So I don't want to get into something to where we, we did, we had this run into a size where we get into analysis of a game and then it's completely irrelevant by the time the game rolls around. Yeah. So we don't, we don't want to do that to the, to the listeners out there at all. Uh, guys, thanks for being with us here on Fridays. We love, love doing these full uh, slate breakdowns and a pretty interesting one this week, no doubt. All of these huge spreads, how are you going to attack it? Are you going to play more teasers than usual and try to take these things down? Are you going to take the big dogs with the big numbers? So, um, again, written breakdowns over at the lines and play picks as well if you want some more analysis on all this outside of what we just did here. If you want to follow Brad on Twitter, at Brad Allen NFL. If you want to follow Brett, at Brett Colson. If you want to follow me, at Matt Brown M2. For Brad, for Brett. Talk to you guys next week.